Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Atlas podcast. This is Victoria Schmidt and I'm James Ayat. I'm going to go through a few questions you guys have asked me in Q and A's I've done before. The first question I'm going to get into is reverse dieting. What is it? How do you do it? What does it entail, et cetera? You want to, would you like to start? Sure. A reverse diet, basically it's the diet that you're going to start right after you finish your show. Let's say. You have your show, let's say your show is like on a Saturday night, then you're going to have probably a cheat meal, right? On Saturday night. Then after that, maybe on the Sunday, you might enjoy a little breakfast. And then Sunday afternoon, I would say you go back to your reverse. A reverse diet is the same plan that you had before, but with higher calories. You slowly increase the calories back up. You can start building up your metabolism to either stabilize or slowly get into an off season and grow. I think it's important to say that a reverse diet is very important because first of all, if you don't follow one, you might blow up like a balloon because your body at a point in prep is like a sponge, right? Okay, let's relax. Let's go back to step one. Before we get into the talk about your shirt. My shirt. He says that it wasn't cute, but it I love like my shirt. looks like a grandma, shirt. I think. What do you guys think? No. But what's good is we're matching. I actually touch it. It's very smooth. It's horrible. Feels like a weird cat. <laughs> About reverse dieting. What you were saying basically is a reverse diet is something that you would start right after a competition. I agree that you would have a cheat meal right after the show. Try to avoid sugars. Don't bring oh, like sure. 20 cookies to the show and people make the mistake. They bring like That's such 20 a cookies and muffins and cakes and, it, and it's, then you start binging it's and everything. It's triggers. It's just going to trigger just you to a eat. terrible idea. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't bring donuts. Don't do that. Go have an nice cheat meal with your family, like a steak, potato, vegetables, whatever. A little bit of sugar if you want. Maybe like a, a small dessert or something. Mm -hmm. Don't binge and eat candy and chocolate and everything. That's the worst idea you can do, first and foremost. Then the next morning, you can maybe have a little like nice breakfast with your family, mm -hmm. but then get right back onto your reverse diet. If your coach didn't send you one yet, follow your initial plan that you had right before peak weeks, like your two weeks out diet. And your coach should have it to you by, let's say, the day after the Monday, which you should start. Let's say I have a uh, client on about 1,200 calories. I'll probably send them a 15 to 1,600 calorie reverse diet. I'm not going to make them go just 1,300 calories because I want them to get back to maybe like a maintenance or a slight surplus. I don't want them to be starving or I don't want them to feel like they're still trying to, they're still losing body fat. Yeah. I'm going to reduce their cardio by like, like half and I'm going to increase their calories by probably four or 500 from where they were before. And if you execute this properly, you're going to have a really healthy metabolism, healthy hormones, and you're going to not gain too much body fat in your off seasons. A big mistake that girls make is they, or even guys, especially that you have a show, you binge everything you can possibly they think of for like you, a week until you can possibly eat after the show. Cause you feel like you're done and your diet's done. This goes back to our first podcast where we mentioned about having a healthy lifestyle. You would never do that in the off season, right? Binge and eat 20 donuts and candies. Why would you do that right after a show when you've been in a calorie restrictive state for so long, right? Mm -hmm. That's the worst time because as you diet down and you get into survival mode, your body is going to downregulate your metabolism because it wants to burn less calories so that you can survive. When you start dieting down, you're even going to start like blinking less. You're going to move less because your body's going to try to exude less energy so that you can live off fewer amount of calories for long. That's why you're going to notice your cardio takes longer to do near the end. It's harder to bring your bring heart, heart rate, rate up, up because you're in a survival mode and your body yeah. doesn't want to burn calories. Once you've done your show, your metabolism is still going to be very slow. The lower your calories get, the slower your metabolism is going to get. And the leaner you get, it's the same thing. 
if you go and you start binging eating 10 pounds of fat, right? And saying two or three days after your show, which sugar, dairy, all the crap you can imagine. What you did is you just elevated your body fat, right? And you're going to hold tons of water as well, but your metabolism is still going to be in the shitter, right? So what you're doing is you're then now you're starting with a much higher body fat than where you were. Metabolism is still where it is. Now you're just screwed yourself because. Mm -hmm. To lose that fat and go back down, you're gonna have to be in a calorie deficit for much you're longer, have to which go is not, back. you don't wanna go back to starving no. or after a show, right? And if you wanna get your body fat down again, that's what you're gonna have to do. And if you don't wanna do that, then your starting point is already 10 pounds where it was after the show, which is not fun. And right away, you already screwed up your metabolism probably for a little while. And you have to get into your reverse diet and then slowly go back up. But you're gonna make the process much harder on you. You're gonna look worse. You're gonna feel a lot worse. Just because you decided to binge after the show. You're not proud. Let's say you work no so hard. No one's good after doing that. No. no one, you're not going to eat all the pizza and donuts and be like, no. well, that was a good idea. You're, Absolutely You're going to feel horrible. It's going to feel good for like the 10 seconds that you have yeah. the food in your mouth. But then after that, you're going to feel like crap because your body is not used to that. First of all, these are not foods that you can digest properly. And imagine that you've been off all these foods for four months. And now you start eating everything, everything the night of and the week of. And it's your not, body. not even a bit. Like, no. Like, I've seen girls for like sure. donuts, pizza, ice cream, all this. Like, are everything, you crazy? the whole shebang. After you're just eating chicken, rice, and whatever for and four months. And then a lot of girls can gain 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds in the weeks after the show, which is completely unhealthy. You go from being in a state where you starve, a star starvation mode, a survival mode, to being able to eat everything, but then after that, you just screw up your metabolism and it's just, like you said, it's a roller coaster and it's just going to go back to being a shit show. This is something that sometimes first-time competitors do and they learn from it. If you're doing this after every show, you need to reevaluate why you're competing because you're not, you're, you're going to go into a yo thing where it's like you're unhealthy going down and then you're unhealthy going all the way back up. That's what we talked about on the first podcast. Yeah. This is not a habit you want to get into. You need to be able to have a regular... A good Plan, relationship. Cheat meal after the show and get back to your reverse diet. And then you can, if you kill your reverse diet the first couple of weeks, your coach is going to probably incorporate cheat meals like every week or whatever after. Exactly. Your, your offseason is going to be much easier. and Because your metabolism is going to get back it's gonna up. It's going to adapt a lot you quicker. Know? Yeah. Yes, exactly. If you slowly increase the calories, you do things probably, your metabolism is going to regulate itself and get quicker and quicker and you're going to be able to eat more food. If you binge, gain 10, 15 pounds, and then you're already at a higher calorie intake than you were before, your metabolism is going to be like, Homogeneity, all messed up. Your metabolism is going to be messed up. You're going to set yourself into, in for a shit show. Yeah. And then you need four or five, six months to get back to just stable levels of body fat and hormones and everything. And you don't want to start your off season. In a bad way. In a very bad way. If it was your first show. Okay. Don't do it every show. And then one more thing. There's a couple like the top Olympian that does this and they show after every show. They have like pizza and go on YouTube and post 20 meals. This is such a bad example, example that they're setting because amateurs and for some kids watch this and they think that this is the way to go that Olympians yeah. do this they don't do this this is like one or two people that do this and they set a really bad example and it's but it's not, not just that something you can do and the only reason that they're doing this is because they have the genetics to do this exactly but, then, sort of but it's not something that you should ever be doing regardless of genetics or not but like don't everyone has that. a different metabolism and people they can eat like crap and Okay, they're lucky. Look, Their body doesn't react as bad as like me, for example. If you like Gina Switz to you, our client eats like 4,000 yeah. calories in the off-season, like 3,500 in prep. If she wants to go out donuts and pizza she after the show, it. she can do it because she's only on 4,000 yeah. calories going to the show. 
But if you want to grow a ton, a, a thousand calories, and then you go eat 5,000 calories one night or 6,000, you're setting yourself up for some damage, big damage to yeah. your hormones. And as we said before, but we have a question for you. What's your question? How long is the reverse diet? Your reverse diet is your whole office. You should always be in some type of diet. Just be like, okay, I'm going to do a 12 week prep cut. And then my off season is just eating whatever I want. There's as much protein, whatever. And just every cheat meals, whenever I feel it. you're never going to get anywhere to support. You need to have all the top Olympians of good pros that do the same thing. You have a decent diet plan in the off season where you're getting all your food and protein in the right amounts. And then you're having like cheat meals here and there that are like discussed or assigned with your coach. It's like you're on a structured plan all the time. But I think like the reverse itself is it's going to last, let's say. No, but I think reverse dieting is literally just your off season diet. For sure it is, but it's just slowly you're building back up your metabolism to be able to increase your calories and stay at a healthy body fat level. Exactly. Let's say us, what you do, you increase the calories after the clients competed for, let's say 500 calories. And then let's say you reassess the week after or two weeks after how the body actually like stabilizes stay exactly after a week or two on the plan. And then let's say the person drop weight on that plan while well, you can increase the calories. Yeah, if you're still losing body fat on the increased calories to the next check and then I'll increase your food or maybe add a cheat meal. That's it. If your weight jumps up a lot, then it may have to pull back a little bit or add a little bit more cardio back, you know, so you don't want to start like the worst thing you can do is you do a show, you binge and then you just stop all your PDs that you were on. If you're taking any PDs, it's yeah. like you're setting yourself up for catastrophe. Everything needs to gradually go down and then come back up. You need to relax. Come back to have a structure. Don't ghost your coach for two or three weeks after the show and then you come back and you're 40 pounds more. This is, you can't, I've seen this happen sometimes. You're going to be sad and we're going to be sad and everyone's going to be we're gonna sad. We're going to cry together. For sure. Your body's going to cry and your mental health too and that's so, so important. If you mm. feel like crap, everything around you is going to be crap. It's an individual sport, right? It's your yeah. life. It's your body. It's your, your mental choices. health. Every, it's your choice yeah. that you make after the show and I hope this, I've been saying this for eight years since I've started coaching how important reverse diet is because I've seen reverse diet is starting off your off season with success or an absolute failure. It's true. And if you do this after every show and you reverse diet properly and you get into a good off season, then you're going to have a much longer and healthier contest career or competing career, right? If after every show you're yo-yoing and binging up and down and you're just, you're not going to get far. And if you do, it's because you have great genetics and good for you and you're lucky. You know, You're but lucky, but that's not something you need to it, to do. Whether it's luck or not, it's still not healthy. Exactly, it, it's not healthy to do. It's that. not healthy, even, even if though your genetics are great and yes, you're doing that, it's still unhealthy. To do it's that. unhealthy. Next At no question. point where you're eating six thousand calories in one sitting, where you've been eating a thousand calories for eight weeks, whatever. Let's say, is that healthy in any way? Oh, for sure. Whatever sure. clients like, I just show what can I eat. I say, for dinner with your family, enjoy yourself. Have a steak, potatoes, rice, some vegetables, maybe a little, maybe a cookie or something. Don't go nuts. No, and don't go no, crazy. Yeah, go yeah. slowly. Increase your food slowly. For sure, you're going to want to eat everything. And like on social media, people have crazy cheat meals and stuff. But social media is social media. You got to remember that. And also what's best, what's, what someone does is not the best for you necessarily. You don't have to copy everyone. You just have to do what's right for you. And I think what's super important is to have a nice structure and a nice plan given by your coach, which... You always do. You always send the reverse diet the day of the show or like the yeah, day after, I, I try, you know? I try to do it the morning of the next day or the night of the show. There's no excuse for them to start like. No, you start, start on the right track the day after you get your cardio done. You slowly get back to your regular like discipline routine and you're yeah, going to feel good. Don't stop cardio too. Like I have some, I've seen this. I've had it in a couple of clients in the last eight years. I gained like 70, 80 pounds after the show. And what they do, not a week, but in a couple months, which is yeah. still horrible, but. 
they, they go to show, they stop their PDs. Actually, both the clients were natural. So that's another thing too, is I forget to, the girls are like, if I take PDs, am I going to rebound after a show? It is a hundred percent, not depending on the PDs, it is dependent on if you continue reverse dieting, cardio, your training after the show. Yeah. If you want every PD in the world, right? And then you binge after a show and you stop your cardio, you're going to, you're going to explode. My two girls that gained 70, 80 pounds after the show were natural athletes. They just stopped the cardio, stopped the training and just ate everything they could see for weeks at a time and just lost complete control. And then and it's hard to get back to your regular, to your regular you after no, that. It could take a year, it could take two years. It's yeah, awful. It's awful. A, no, that's such so a it's disaster. Not, it's not the PDs that are going to do that. It's first of all, you got to, if you're taking PDs, you need to gradually come off them, ask your coach, but it's 95% the reverse dieting. Yeah. Keep doing your cardio, keep doing your training. Don't go from extreme to another extreme, which is doing everything to doing nothing. That's exactly. That's how you're going to set yourself up for some serious psychological and physical damage. Question number two, how to become a successful coach? I guess I'll start this off. I made a couple of stories about this in the past over the years, but you're going to start off with absolutely no clients. And how I started off is I actually, I mentioned in podcast number one that I was entrepreneur for since I was 15 years old. I started a company, bought my first house when I was 17 years old. That's not something that is typical, but it's something that I did because I, oh, I just have an entrepreneurial mindset. And I've had that since, I think it's something, I think it's a lot of instinct and when you're born, it's something you could develop and get better at, but I think some people have it and some people don't. Anyways, I had it in me and I got it from my mom, actually. Mom was the same. I had a company until I was like 21, 22. And then I just, I got sick of what I was doing. We we're doing like online service business. I was 16 years old and we had like 20 employees at 16 years old. I was a little boss when I was a kid. <laughs> and then I graduated college and then I, it was actually going to be like a damage insurance broker, like an insurance firm. And then I realized that insurance is extremely boring. I didn't pursue that at all. And then I, I got extremely fat. Actually, I was 322 pounds. I think I was like 20 years old because I was on the computer 20 hours a day working. And I just didn't care about, I didn't know anything about nutrition, diet, I knew nothing. I just ate everything and pizza and Coca-Cola and just got fat. And then one day I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm super fat. I need to fix this. And then a year and a half, I lost 140 pounds. I did it all myself. I did all my diet myself. I learned things online. And then I was in the gym like four hours a day. I was just addicted to the gym. I went to one of my friend's competitions, a random girl in the gym, and she like won the show. And I was like, I asked her, I'm like, can I coach you for your next show? I'm like, I don't really know anything about it, but I really like this whole competing thing. And I... I've been learning a lot online and she's like, yes. And then I did it and we won like the overall order show. And then I was hooked. And the next show I had, I got three athletes. I found them in the gym. I'd be like, hey, you look like you look good. You want to do a competition? They're like, you're a hustler. In the gym. I was a hustler. I, you, you have to. When you she was off. going to see everyone. Anyone in that, that looked like they could. <laughs> Looked good look on the stage. kind of good. <laughs> no, but like that I can coach and they yeah. have some type of foundation. I, would, I went to, I like would message like people on Facebook that didn't even know me. Hey, do you think of doing bodybuilding competition? Like local, it was like local Facebook book groups that I was like trying to like look for clients, like from <laughs> nothing, like absolutely nothing. Went to the gym with no name. Being like, Listen, I don't have any experience, but I think, think we can do good together based on what I've learned far. And if you give me a chance, I'd appreciate it. And I would coach up a couple people for free or do a 12 week prep for $300. Like nothing. Grinding. You have to grind to start. And that's the way every coach has to start. And if you think you're going to like just post on Instagram and start getting clients and build a reputation of that, it's not going to work. You need to realize that you're nothing and you need to build from nothing. When you, it's going to start, it's going to be hard. You're not going to make a lot of money at the start. I made barely anything my first year, my second year, barely anything. And then after that, like 
and picking up an hour when now we have uh, hundreds of clients. That's the You're first, a that's, hustle that's how, beat off. But that's like an entrepreneurial mindset. You got to realize you can't be given to you. You need to just get out there and do it. And I had some clients come to me like, how do you start this? How do you become a coach? And I never asked anyone, how do you become a coach? You got to just do it. That's an entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm like, how do I start a business? Like you can fit. We have so much access with our internet and our phone. Anything you need to know is on your phone. Anything yeah. you need to know. But if you're asking all these questions, you're, you're a little bit lazy. You know, you need to really, yeah. like, you can have a mentor and people that help guide you, but get started, like just start. No one told me, okay, James, now you have to go talk to clients in the gym and try to find people to join your team. No, I just like did it. I had a guy help me find like my team, my name, Team Atlas. I made little shirts, Team Atlas on it. I got an office in a gym. I just, I, just little things. I, I started, I bought a camera. I started recording myself, training clients and making these like little videos from like 2015. I just, and I started like editing them myself. And I just did so much, so many things that I learned from being an entrepreneur when I was 15 years old. And I moved that over to coaching. That's how you're going to have to start. If you don't want to hustle, you want to start from nothing, don't even bother. Go work for someone else. And uh, I mean, you had it within you. It's not everyone that has it. Yeah, but no, if you don't have it in you, I mean, try. And if you really just, you can't. I think you know that you have it within you or not. There's some people that are just willing to have a nine to five, Monday to Friday, every day of their life and just be a little. Just, there's benefits to having, working for, for someone sure. too and being on a Because sure. like, you go to work at nine to five and you come home, you have rest. a steady paycheck. Yeah, you, you don't think. Of... But me, I. Literally haven't had a day off in seven years. Hey, you so work every day of your work life. Every day. He doesn't sleep, the guy. I sleep sometimes, but not that much. Sleep. I'll sleep in September. <laughs> in a week after North American. Yeah, exactly. Going back to the question of how do you become a successful coach? You need to have results or you need to keep learning, right? If you think you know everything, you don't and you never will. We've made 78 pros now since 2018. I make the most pro cards in the world for the past going to be three years in a row now for the bikini category out of any single coach. And I'm still learning. I've had, I think we qualified 21 girls to Olympia or 21 Olympic qualifications, whatever it is. We had 11 girls at the Olympia last year. And I'm still learning every show. If you're a beginner, you have one athlete or that you turn pro and you think you're done learning everything, you're never going to get to the top mm -hmm. because you don't know everything. And I don't know everything either. I learn every show. Look at look what happened with East at the first show. I didn't expect that to happen and it happened. I'm like, fuck, I need to, to problem solve and troubleshoot the situation and be able to solve this next time. I looked back at all the data I had on her prep and I was able to solve it for week two. You're learning with every show, you're learning with every athlete. I learned a lot of crucial details too with even beginner athletes when I do shows. I'm like, oh man, this, I, I learn from athletes even though they don't even know that they're teaching me things. Mm -hmm. You need to keep learning. You need to be able, willing to grind. You need to be consistent. If you're, it takes you a week to answer clients' check-ins and you're, there, you're, it takes a week to send the diets and you, you're not organized and you forget to talk to them on the show day and you're, you make them feel like they're like a number or not like an athlete or yeah. all these things are, you never gonna get, or you're going to get there and you're going to lose clients. There's a couple, there's one, especially big team. They're very good at marketing. Uh, it's not Fit Body Fusion. I really like Jamie a lot. Just thought that team. <laughs> she has a very good job, but it's another team and they're very good at marketing. But then the athletes join, especially the beginners, they join your team and amateurs are not taking care of. They just, they do one show, then they leave. You can be good at marketing and stuff too, but if you want to keep clients, consistent clients, especially the amateurs, you got to take care of them because they're your bread and butter. And I mentioned this before too. If you're just taking care of your Olympians and your pros, you ignore your amateurs. First of all, you're doing a very big disservice to the industry because the amateurs are what's making you all the money and make all the shows. If and they're the no, future too. If you have no amateurs, you have no competitions. Bodybuilding does not exist. Because the pros aren't paying to do the competitions. The amateurs are paying for the NPC Pro card. They're paying for the coaching. They're paying for the shows. Classes. They're, they're every, everything. Everything is about the amateurs. If you're just taking care of your pros, you're doing a disservice to, the, to everyone. And... 
it sucks because the amateurs, they don't know any better and they join like a big team. They think that, oh, it's going to be great. And, and then they have a bad experience. Like, I feel like I didn't look good on stage. I wasn't taken care of. And why am I fat on stage and my posing sucks? Like, you know, I expected a lot more. And it's because a lot of the energy is put into the, the best athletes on the team. That's not a good infrastructure to have because you're going to ruin your reputation. You're going to ruin the experience for the clients. I'm, especially too you're hurting the industry something. because let's say a client has a bad, a first time competitor has a bad experience. They go on stage, come less than last and they're fat and they have a top coach. Like, well, they're like, I hired the best coach. I did everything they said and I don't look good. And they're like, fuck this. Maybe competing is not for me. And they, you just ruin everything. Yeah. Then you just had a, a potential client that could have been beneficial for the promoters, for the other coaches to have just gone from the industry. You, know, so you don't want to do that. And it's really disrespectful to have someone put all their time and energy and money and sacrifice and then you don't give them the time of day because they're an amateur first-time competitor. And know? it's good that you're actually conscious about that because there's people that just do it for the money, right? But he actually doesn't do it for the money. You're actually passionate by the sport. If you think you're going to start coaching for the money and you're going to be good, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. it. You're yeah. going to have to be... You're going to have to freaking eat some shit for a long time and yep. coach athletes you don't want to coach and do things that you don't you know, want to do because you're grinding. And you need to love it. Like my old posing coach, she mentioned that I was I would go and sit in person to all of my clients' posing classes for five, six, seven hours a day to just learn and watch the first two, three years of my coaching because I wanted to learn, right? And I would go to the gym and I would sit through with my old posing coach and she would do in-person sessions. And I would sit there and watch and learn and observe like a baby. Even mm -hmm. when I turned athlete pro, I would still sit there and watch the boys in glasses. I would learn and be like, oh, okay. And then I would like, now, like, I have a really good eye for posing because I learned myself. You got to put in the time. You got to keep learning and you got to love it and be passionate about it. If you're not passionate about it and you're trying to make it with the money, you're not going to work. You're not going to get the results. Clients are going to see that you suck. Mm -hmm. And then you're not giving them attention. They're going to leave and go to someone else. Yeah. And I see this often. There's really big teams that do great. And then they lose the passion and they're. They go down. They, no one even talks about them anymore because they have no more clients. They literally, this has happened. I talked to Kimoto about this actually. And he told me this has happened. He, Kimoto's been coaching since nine or something. And he told me like, this happens often. Teams get big. And they have a million coaches and they, they're like, they're the dominant monopoly of the industry. And then two or three years later, they. They lose all the coaches and they have no more athletes and no one even talks about them anymore because it's just they get too big that they collapse mm -hmm. and then they the coach just says fuck they this and control. they lose control and yeah. you you lose passion and you realize it's just like a big money thing and then you just you have everything and then you it turns to nothing. Stay in your lanes, focus on what you can control. Don't take more athletes than you can take on and give everyone equal attention to the best of your ability and you feel like you're falling behind. Either reduce your roster, don't take any more clients, or increase your prices. You have to take less clients or hire help to help you in some way, but don't just do this for money because it's not going to work out for you or your athletes. Mm -hmm. I think that's the kind of the, just a general statement of what is required to be a successful coach. And also you need the eye, you need skill, right? Not everyone has the eye. You can't teach the eye really to anyone. You can show people what you want, but you need to have the eye for the category that you want to be good at. You can be good at every category. Maybe it was like Shane Hughley who's like, good at every single category. He's very good at every category, but like to be the best in the world at something, you got to be focused on one category, maybe two maximum. Mm -hmm. Like bikini, maybe also wellness, but focus on mainly one. Bodybuilding, maybe classic. There's no coach that's the best at men's physique and the best at bikini and the best at wellness together. It does not exist because there's too many variables. You need it's to so really different. focus on one thing. I do bikini 12 to 18 hours a day, every day 
seven days a week. It's mm -hmm. all I'm looking at. It's all I'm knowing. It's all my sleep, sink, breathe is bikini. <laughs> <laughs> posing everything you know, it's like it's true and i still make mistakes sometimes but like, imagine i'm doing that plus men's physique plus bodybuilding forget it Great. i've actually made pros in men's physique and i made a classic pro figure wellness i had olympian wellness too but like i've had a lot more success when i focus on one category for sure and i give it my all that's I think that's a general good advice for how to be a successful coach mm -hmm. uh next question when should you start posing i think you should start posing as soon as you know that you want to compete posing is it's hard it's hard so there's so many different things that goes into posing. What's right for someone is probably wrong for you. Everyone is different. Everyone has a different foot position, a different hip, a different... Everyone is different. As soon as you know that you want to start competing, you should start posing. First of all, it's not everyone that's comfortable with heels. You should learn how to walk with heels. You should learn how to be comfortable with heels. You should learn how to pose with heels. Then after that, once you're comfortable with that, you start posing, doing your front pose. Once you master that, you go to the next position, side glute, back pose. It's really, I teach personally every position one at a time. I make sure that all my clients understand every position. You're not going to teach them front, back, transitions, no. walk in one session. Does not make any sense? No, it doesn't make you're sense. And forget everything. It's always one position at a time. And if you don't get their front pose, front pose at a time. we Does finish. It? Yes. Position one. sounds weird. <laughs> one pose at a time and it's always if you don't get your front pose we don't go to the side position it's really one position at a time and i want to make sure that all my athletes understand what they're doing i explain to them what they should do and i want them to actually feel their body mind muscle connection is super important when you train but it's also super important when you do posing because think about it on stage there's not going to be any mirror you're not going to be able to adjust yourself. So you should be able to learn how to feel and fix your body yourself just by what feels right and what feels wrong. And if it feels right, it's probably wrong because posing is not comfortable, right? I think everyone could be a good poser. Not everyone could be an amazing poser because yeah. you need to have it in you. Yeah. Like Victoria, like if you see her on stage, it's wow. She just shines. Like she has the confidence. You have the it factor. That's another thing too. Like the it factor is. Like, you have it or you, you don't. You, it's hard to, you can get better at it, but it's like. When a girl like walks on stage and everyone looks at her and like, oh my God, it's like a girl that walks into a room, right? And everyone's, everyone takes a double take. They're like, wow, there's something about like, the presence or like the, the aura, aura of the girl. Even a man, like a very like good looking man, it's like true. tall, look takes confident. Space. Just room, you know? Like, the energy, the yeah. vibe, the, the, I think the confidence is everything on. You can't on really teach that. It's like in the You room. have it in you. Yeah. I mean, you have to be a little bit like this in your everyday life to be like this on a stage. Almost all the top Olympians have it though. That's a part of being a top Olympian. I think so too, yeah. but that's why they're the best in the world, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many athletes, but there's just a little bit of Olympians because they're the best. It's like Olympians. I'm saying not all the, the top Olympians have the it factor, but almost. Not the 75. I've seen the top Olympians, like, say like the yeah, top 10. Exactly. They all have like the yes. it factor, you know? hundred percent, but it's not everyone that has it yeah. for sure. It's hard. It's, it's all hard about to your get smile, it. how you look, keep your chest up, your broad, how you walk, how you... Everything how you about showcase it. yourself, the sassiness. How you carry yourself. Yes, how you carry yourself. It's like you're talking to the judges without talking to them. So you Capturing need to, your attention. Exactly. So you need to be able to sell your body, but without selling your body. Don't, but sell, don't, don't tell them to sell their body. <laughs> Stop <laughs> selling your body, but you're showcasing your body in a way that is going to attract the, the judges' eyes. And that's just by learning how to pose correctly and what is right for you. 
the question is, you should start posing as soon as you know that you want to compete because yeah. it takes a long ass time. If you're waiting till six weeks out to start calling, to start posing, you're screwed. And if you don't book classes on a regular basis, let's say every week, every second week, once a month, whatever, it's even harder. You need to stay consistent. For me personally, I always recommend all my clients to book in the off season. Every three, four weeks, just you stay consistent. You keep practicing. You keep showing up. If you have any questions, you can ask them to me. Uh, we keep improving for sure. And then in prep, uh, some clients book literally three times a week, once a week, twice a week, once every second week. Everyone is different. When you do less than once every two weeks, because it's like you're going to forget things. And oh, for sure. you want to build good habits too. If you Don't learn off YouTube. Don't learn off like local posing coaches. You need to learn from a professional. And, and you can't even, compare yourself too. I have so many clients yeah, sometimes different. that they're like, but this girl is doing that. I'm like, matter. yes, she's doing that. Yeah. But now you try what's to pose right? like Issa Bashini and tell me how you look. But I actually had a client that talked to spoke to me about Issa. And I was like, but Issa is Issa. It's her physique. Her foot is like that because it's her. Your foot is like that because it's you. Everyone is different. Just listen to me. Listen to James. Like we correct you. And that's our job for a reason. And this you is know? why too. We have Victoria's that main exclusive posing coach of Team Aras. And then we have another one that's Victoria is one of her best friends. She's her assistant coach. She'll go through the beginners and Victoria taught her and I taught Victoria what I like. We all have very good synergy. This is why I don't let my athletes pose with other people because other posing teachers like different things. They have things different things. And they have different looks and, not, not, and they're not necessarily correct. But no. like, if they're teaching you something and I'm, I like something else and we don't have synergy. I coach hundreds of girls, right? know a lot about different bodies. They might yep. be teaching you the same thing that they know on themselves. Exactly. Instead of, because they don't have enough experience with coaching many girls. And even if they do have a lot of experience with coaching many girls, they might have a different eye than you. And then you're teaching the client two different things and it gets confusing. So that's why I make all my athletes, Olds Victoria or Lenas, because they both know exactly what I like and we have communication. And it's just a lot simpler to have. We work together, this, this right? This goes back to podcast number one. I said, having a good infrastructure, everything runs smoothly, right? A so good if synergy. If I didn't have a good, if I didn't have an exclusive posing coach and I let my athletes pose with whoever they want, I would make a lot less Olympians. I would have a lot less pro cards because there would be no synergy between the posing coach and me because we're, we like different things and it's just the clients doing weird things and it's just. Let's say your other posing coach teaches you something, but then you send us your check-in and it's no, Completely different don't do than, that. What, than what I like. Then you're like, what the hell? I just paid for a session with this posing coach that told me to place my foot like this. Yes, but it's wrong. And then you let's know? say that happens to me and Victoria. Sometimes we have a little difference of opinion, but I'll like, I can tell Victoria I want it like this and she'll be like, okay, no problem. And then just she'll fix it. But it's a lot easier and a good infrastructure with the team. You have one coach, a posing coach. We have to get another one because Victoria couldn't, we had many clients Victoria couldn't physically take on anymore. Exactly. So we have one that does the beginners and then once they're ready, they transition to Victoria. Yeah. That's very important as far as when you should start right away in your off season because mm -hmm. you want, you have to work on flexibility, hip mobility, lower back flexibility, like there's so many things that goes so into it. So many things, your stretches, your vacuum. There's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. And if you think you're going to start posing 10 weeks out and be a great poser, good luck to you. Good luck to you. It's possible, but, if, yeah, but if you it's not the it's norm. It's rare. It's possible if you're like already like crazy flexible, you already have a very good Arch background and, and you're and a very quick learner. It's rare. Like, it's really rare. Some girls like posing is their biggest weakness. We have some girls that have been with us for five years and still their posing is like good. Average. But it's not, no, but it's good, but it's not like perfection. Yes, you know? exactly. Everyone can improve and even pros. There's mm -hmm. always space for improvement.
at all levels. You and know, this goes back to podcast number one too, where he said prioritizing prep. Like, yeah, posing needs to be a huge priority in bikini. If you don't know how to tilt your hips perfectly to the judges, and this stuff I was working on with Issa too. I don't want to give it away because maybe some judges are going to watch this and see mm -hmm. like some faults on her physique, but there's some things that we had to fix on her body so that she's balanced properly showing to the judges, like her hip placement and her mm -hmm. waist placement and stuff too. If you're on the, the first call out, whatever, and the head judge in the middle and you're off to the side and you're posing for your grandma in the back, you're not angling to the head judges, mm -hmm. all of the work you did, all the dieting, all the cardio, all the workouts, everything you did in the garbage, because the judges can't see your physique. If you don't know how to pose, but you do, my coach, but coach, I did my diet and my, my cardio and my workouts and I did everything you told me to do. But you didn't showcase your physique every six properly. Weeks. You can't hold your stomach every two seconds and oh, it doesn't matter because the judges could only judge on what they can see. And if you can't display it. The I'm, judges don't nothing. know. Don't know what you did during your prep. They don't they just, care. They don't care. They see your 15 seconds on stage or your 60 second presentation. And how you compare. And if you can, and then, if you have the confidence, if you have the perfect front and back pose, if you know how to transition, if you keep your glutes out, if you don't drop your glutes, if you can walk, like you need to have all these aspects. And if you don't have that in you, but you did everything else, it does not matter. No. If you trained your cardio, that you're posing, but you didn't diet. Nothing matters. If you did your cardio, your posing, and your nutrition, but you never trained, nothing matters. You need all four. You need cardio, you need training, you need nutrition, and you need posing. All four. If you're missing one, you have nothing. It means nothing. It's true. It's true. All four together. So start posing immediately. Start, follow your proper stretching protocol that your coach gives you immediately. And start booking class with someone that you trust immediately, too. In the offseason and in prep, so you can have everything is perfect. My best clients that turn pro are the ones that do the do everything. Oh, your clients do their work. There's some clients that never turn pro because they're like, they uh, lack in one aspect. One aspect, like oh, I didn't get my posing in. Oh, I cheat here and there, and it's always the same thing over and over. And they never were tired. It's like, you got to have all four. You got to be consistent on all four aspects to be successful. In athlete. prep and in off season. Yes, not just in prep, in off season yeah. too. Yeah, it's all the time. All day, every day. Let's do one more question. The last question was belt and waist trainer usage. What do you think about that? I think it is useful. Definitely. In prep, it's great. I loved it during my prep because I actually felt snatched. Actually, I love that word. It's funny. Snatched? Snatched. I think it's good. I think there's levels to it, though. I don't think it's actually good to wear it all day and all night. That can cause many... Yeah. issues, digestive issues. Like I had a client last year that she has so many bad digestive issues and it was actually because of her waist trainer. You think because... it was only because of that? No, it was actually because of that. Who because was I'm not going to say it. I'm going to tell, tell you after. But it's because she was sleeping. With... It's because... Oh, she was sleeping with her auntie? Yes, uh, she was sleeping with her waist trainer and that is right. not good. Like everything yeah, that you do in an extreme eight hours a day eight hours a day for sure everything that you do in an extreme is not good wearing your waist trainer for 24 hours a day 77 hours a so week have lower back issues too but for sure it's not good it's going to squish your organs at this point so there's a thing like well does waist trainer actually shrink your waist you see those crazy people on youtube whatever that have like those corsets and then yeah it obviously works because it, look at their waist it looks like it's that's disgusting it. but that's but not that, like that, a waist trainer no it's a corset but yeah. you can shrink your waist down by oh, using definitely. it appropriately. Your posture, your posture too. too. It keeps yeah. your, your chest up really high. Victoria said it really helped yeah. for that. And it's going to keep a bit of strain on your belly. So you're going to want to keep your belly in all the time, which is a very important thing to even do your off-season. If you have your belly hanging out mm -hmm. or you're training or anything, you're going to have a lot harder time doing vacuums to keep yourself on stage. 100%. These are girls trained. They're literally like, their stomach is like a little Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's another reason why you wear a belt. Is like It keeps your, keeps core, your core tight. tight and it makes you have to suck in a little bit all the time to build good habits. Exactly. Posing is about that too. It's about building good habits. Back to posing for one second. 
if you're learning the wrong things from the wrong people or learning YouTube or Instagram things and you're building bad habits, like shaking your arm all the time or it's hard to break. Business, it's hard to break. Uh, learn from the start, the right things with the right people. That's true though. You, you... All our clients say that all the time. Let's say I, I, I teach something new and then they go back to what they're used oh, to do. Man. And then they're like, oh, I'm sorry. It's because it's, ba it's bad habits. Exactly. Get out of a, there. I have some clients, like one of them now I'm talking about, she's always bends her arm in her front pose. And it's not just hers a lot, but they put it down. And it's just, it's such a habit she's had forever. That's just like, mm -hmm. so hard to break. And she's have a, when your coach tells you to switch a pose or fix something, write it down or consciously always think about it. If you just, if you get information from your coach, it goes in one ear out the other and you have to tell you the same thing every check-in, that's on you. You should write it down before you pose every time you read over. Okay, I got to put my arm down. Okay, I got to keep my waist to the side. You got to do okay, your I homework. Okay, I got to lift my back shoulder. You need to write things down and read it over and over again. Mm -hmm. If you just like, you look at a piece, it's like reading a book. We don't remember anything because you're not really reading it. You're not take, processing take anything. information and process it yeah. and apply it to what you're doing. hundred percent. If I have some check-ins where I literally tell the same thing 10 times in a row and it's, you're not processing this information. You're literally just reading it and you're just not doing. No, you're it. like there, but you're not it's there. It's so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Sick in class. I'm like, but open I understand your, your carbs might be low and your diet is slow. You're doing a lot of cardio. So it might yeah, be slower, but this is why you learn the good habits in the off season. Exactly. You start. Way you back. have tons of food and you're eating stuff. Uh, yeah. And you can process everything a lot easier. Your brain is clearer. Yeah. Back than to the belts. Back <laughs> to the best. I think it's good to keep your core tight. It improves it improve your posture, definitely. And it's going to help keep a lot of um, strain off your lower back and yeah. avoid help. You don't want to build lower back muscle really in bikini because it makes your, your overall core thicker. It mm -hmm. helps atrophy your lower back muscles and it's going to keep your, make your waist a lot smaller. If you have a girl with a small waist in the front, but then a big lower back, her entire waist is going to look a lot thicker. So you really want to atrophy your lower back muscles and the belt and waist trainer is going to help that, especially when you're training. I and always wear my waist trainer during my cardio. I love it. It helps me to sweat as well. And I just feel like super and tight. And the training too, and... even if you're training shoulders and you don't really have a lot of like lower back movement still wear your belt to build good habits with your belly and your I keeping mean, your core in you should always have your belt competitors on. You, it's should always have it on. you should always have it on because we all know you want to have big glutes and a small waist can you do you train your glutes and then you keep your waist as tight as possible you put all the, the chances on your side to have the smallest waist possible i think it's good for sure for yeah, bikini competitors too. waist trainer yes Eight hours a day max, work up to it and make sure it's yep. like tight enough where it's, it's just have a loose waist and nothing's going to happen. But no, you need and to wear change a belt when you train sure. always. Obviously, yep. you wear a belt when you do cardio, wear a belt when you train. Mm -hmm. If you want to wear a waist trainer too while you do cardio or train, whichever one feels better on you. But it needs I to think be it's tight. You know, if you feel like it's loose, for sure it's not doing the trick. You need to feel like it's tight and if it's you're keeping an you an absolute uh... beginner and like absolutely no muscle at all. Like no core strength, then maybe don't wear a belt. Just build some type of. No, like, you need to build muscle. Build a little bit of core. Like lower, just a little bit of core strength sure. and like overall. Then you can start incorporating a belt when you have a bit more experience. But for when you feel ninety-five percent of the people, you should be wearing for competitors. For competitors, for yeah. bikini girls, for sure. For lifestyle people, whatever. But do you, for, always, do you still wear a belt when you train or no? Not really. No, Sometimes, but it's just rare because I don't train as yeah, heavy. Yeah, she doesn't care about being super small waist with no lower no. back and she's not competing right she's just trying to be healthy no actually i'm trying to build abs You're trying to build what abs not abs i said abs eh? with the H, i know but no i meant to say abs i'm building show some abs. Abs. what do you do for abs show i do leg raises i do planks i do crunches 
Only with body weight, though. Never with yeah, never with body weight. weight. But that's for competitors, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it's that's why I'm not wearing a belt. I actually want to build my core. Something you want to do as a bikini athlete? No. If, if you're your competing tells you to train for, a little yeah. bit of abs, you can yeah. just to build a little bit more definition, but you, never with uh, weights, always with body weight. I know well, for bikini, obviously. you don't want abs on stage. Yeah, you, you don't want, you want, want a flat stomach. stomach. If someone has really have no abs at all, you can mm -hmm. train a little bit of abs. Just to build no a little bit of core. No lower back, and just a little bit of upper and lower abs, like body weight crunches and lying leg raises. That's it. I would say plank, plank. You yeah, don't move. Yeah, but that's more transverse abdominis. It's not upper and lower abs, really. I mean, you were, uh, yeah, go to a plank there. Why, I'm going to have abs after I do a plank? <laughs> You're going to feel it everywhere. Yeah, I'm going to feel it, but it's more transverse. So you can have planks if you want to, but good. Yes. I think that's going to conclude our podcast number two. Number two. I really appreciate you guys coming to tune into our Atlas podcast, and we'll try to get you we'll try to get you an episode once every week. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you have any questions, let me know in the comments or send me a DM. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Bye. Ciao.